from the bright minds and marketing mavericks at SMPS New York, this is the Marketing Department. We're a team of marketing and business development professionals bringing you everyday conversations from a unique industry. Architecture, Engineering, and Construction, or AEC for short. The Marketing Department is produced through collaboration with SMPS New York, which offers members professional development, leadership opportunities, and marketing resources to enhance their careers. In August 2021, a Fortune Magazine article featured the headline, Why the Best Leaders Build Teams That Disagree. It discussed the concept of cognitive diversity, the intentional inclusion of people with different ways of thinking, different viewpoints, and different skill sets. In this episode, we'll explore how and when AEC marketers can harness the principles of cognitive diversity to design teams that achieve greater productivity, boundless creativity, and most importantly, happiness. Welcome listeners, I'm Christy Cerullo, Marketing Manager at First Environment. Our guest today is my friend and industry colleague, Chris Soria. Chris and I met years ago through SMPS New York. He's a Vice President and Marketing Strategist for Canon Design's Global Healthcare Practice. He has almost 15 years of diverse AEC experience and is driven by a belief that marketing can and should have a larger impact on the future success of our industry. Away from work, Chris keeps busy as a dad to three young boys and the goodest golden retriever puppy. Welcome, Chris. Thank you for having me, Christy. This is so exciting to be uh, uh, go from listener to the podcast to uh, uh, talker on the podcast. So excited to be here today. Great. So just for some some backstory, um, our paths crossed again last year at the SMPS Northeast Regional Conference in the spring. We were both That's speakers. Right. I was speaking with actually the creators of this podcast about podcasting, and you were speaking on this topic of cognitive diversity. And I remember sitting in your session being like, this would be a great episode. <laughs> here we are. So it's kind of like a mashup. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. It was a uh, it was a fun experience uh, for me. I wasn't sure how the topic would be received by an audience, but I feel like the feedback was generally uh, positive, and uh, I was excited to hear that, uh, the curiosity from our colleagues in our industry um, on this topic of cognitive diversity. So happy to be here today to talk about it. Great. So maybe you can start us off with, like, what was it that drew you to this topic when you first heard about it? Yeah, so I think the article you mentioned really started to uh, spark my interest. I've always been sort of interested and intrigued by what makes teams tick? You know, what makes great teams? Um, I've always found in my career, professionally and personally, that some of my greatest achievements, the things I'm most proud of, um, really are the culmination of teamwork, right? And being a part of a great team, not necessarily the things I've done individually, but really what I've been able to accomplish as, as a member of a team. And so I've always had this general curiosity around the dynamics of teams and and what makes teams perform, you know, certain teams perform better than others, right? And I think I, I draw like parallels back to the sports world. And you think about, um, you know, some, you know, some of the greatest sports teams uh, seem to have these different, um, not only skill sets, but personality types that really um, drive success. And, you know, um, outside of sports, you can even think about, you know, boy bands and some of the, you know, it's a great boy band. And those are teams that are designed, right? Like totally, you know, created 
uh, by design, but there's not just one superstar and, and lead singer, right? There's all the different, this mashup of, of personalities and people styles. And so I feel like there's something to that. And I, and I wondered how can we, you know, how does that translate to the business world, but more specifically what we do as AEC marketers and how could we harness some of those principles, um, you know, into our everyday work to, to really, you know, make and create amazing things. Yeah, those are great analogies. <laughs> it makes me think I want to create like the BTS of first a first environment. You know, what does that look like? Um, it's so interesting because you know when we're working on teams and I'm thinking of like marketing um, initiatives and campaigns, we think of like uh, functional roles that people hold in the company and like, oh, I need this type of engineer, or this type of professional, or you know, the client liaison, the proposal manager. Um, and this is like a different way of thinking um, of how to build that team, not just of what people do in the company, their role, but like who they are as a person. And that really it like requires you to see your coworkers differently, right? Absolutely. I think you need to, you know, broaden that perspective and see and get, see and get to know people beyond, you know, what their technical, you know, skills are, what they went to school for, what they've been trained in. Those things are vitally important to the success of any project, right? But I think when you are trying to accomplish something that is, you know, extraordinary outside of the, you know, the the tried and true, uh, proven sort of uh, path. Um, I have found that technical skills alone, you know, won't get you to that other side. You really need a team that um, uh, is almost designed for disagreement, designed for debate, and uh, designed to really collaborate in new and different ways than we're than we're used to. And so I think, yeah, you have to really step outside of yourself for a minute and step outside of the situation. And I like to use the word superpowers and really start to think about what are those intangibles, those those superpowers that a person might bring to a project beyond what they've been trained to do. Yeah, definitely. Um, well, let's think about what our superpowers are. <laughs> We're here. <laughs> I, I I know a little bit about you, so I have an idea of what your superpower is. Why don't you why don't you describe yeah, it? Yeah. So I think, you know. I like to say my technical skill, you know, and my core competency is in copywriting. I'm sort of like this writing geek by, you know, by learning, if you will. Um, my superpower is really, uh, I think, the ability to bring many different voices and perspectives to the table and, you know, be able to pull insights through, you know, dialogue, through, you know, different workshop type exercises and really be able to bring and pull all those insights and information together to form um, sort of and synthesize, you know, a story or a message. Um, and so I think that's one of the things, you know, that on the surface, you're never going to find on my resume. But I think once you get to work with me, um, you'll you'll see that, you know, that's something that I'm bringing to the table that I think is, you know, unique to to a team. How about yeah. yourself? Oh, <laughs> <laughs> well, for me, well, similar to you, I have a background in writing and that's, you know, when that was like what I was looking for, like a job in writing when I first started in the industry. And then I think my superpower that 
that people tend to recognize is like just being able to keep tabs on everything and like stay really organized and keep, like you said, like the through line throughout what we're working on. Um, and also to, you know, I think I hold like a pretty good space for group conversations and keep try to keep the mood like light and um, have a certain level of amusement, which I think just improves. It helps conversations flow a little bit better, especially if we're talking about a group that that's designed to disagree. You know, the first thought might be like, well, those can be some uncomfortable conversations. But if you can approach it from the sense of like, we have a problem that we need to solve. So let's let's go through all the all the different options and come to one that, you know, we can we can all have input on and and kind of strategize on the best way. I mean, it seems like it's kind of messy, um, complicated process, right? <laughs> it is. And I think when you start taking that leap from traditional problem solving to really harnessing cognitive diversity to solve problems, I think we have to um, also, you know, reframe our mindset um, on how and how and what that approach looks like, right? I mean, we're we're geared for efficiency and quick results, and because of that, we tend to kind of take a linear approach to getting things done and solving problems. I think when you step out of that and you take that leap towards uh, cognitive diversity and applying those principles. What you're saying is we are not taking a linear approach. This is going to be a daunting sort of iterative approach to problem solving. It's going to require debate. It's going to require some uncomfortable conversations because you are asking people to bring those perspectives that are unique and different um, to the table. And so it may take you longer um, to get where you want to be. Um, I think you want to make sure you're cognizant of that and build that time in and that space for iteration um, because I found that the true beauty and benefit of working in this way is that it's not only a build of ideas and best ideas win it's really this convergence and culmination of ideas that begins to uh, take shape and form when teams are working in this truly dynamic and different way um, and that's why I say you know this cognitive diversity applying these principles may not be for the everyday uh, type of endeavor, but it is for those, you know, sort of extraordinary asks and those ambitious sort of leaps that you want to take um, within your within your firms. Yeah, so let's talk about that a little bit more. Like you said, it's not doesn't suit everything. So our listeners are marketing professionals, you know, people working day in, day out on things like proposals, communications, things like that. I don't think this is an approach for, you know, your run of the mill proposal that you do every year, every few months that you just know what goes into it. Um, this is more for things where that are more strategic, where you really want to set your firm apart. Um, what are some things that you've applied this to that you think like, yeah, it works really well to me. I think like a website redesign or like, um, entering a strategic market, like those are kind of, you're entering uncharted territory, right? Exactly. I like to think of it as if you are going from point A to point B and you know what point B looks like and it's already been designed and there's precedent for it. Cognitive diversity is not necessarily the, the approach you want to take, right? But you just want to, you know, find you a team that can get you from point A to point B as quickly as possible, right? I like to think of, you know, those projects where we want to harness cognitive diversity is when it's point A 
and we're going to point question mark, right? The, the mm -hmm. outcome is sort of unknown and we don't want it to be known from the outset. We kind of want to go through this process of discovery, of exploration, of, of iteration and really fine tuning um, to, 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 to get to a place and an outcome that we couldn't have uh, sort of defined from day one of a project. And so um, I think you're, you're spot on in, in sort of these projects um, like website, you know, redesigns, um, you know, strategic pursuits, um, things that are maybe outside of the everyday pursuit where you really need to, you know, step your game up, those must wins, uh, rebranding initiatives and launches, those are going to require definitely just some different perspectives. You're going to want to bring those different voices and perspectives to the table because you're reintroducing your firm in a new way. And it's going to have sort of this long lasting reverberation, you know, uh, not only within your firm, but out in the industry, right? It has this significance um, and weight to it. And so I think those are those opportunities where you can really start to think about um, and be intentional about how you build the team, the type of people that you are asking uh, to join you on that journey and uh, yeah, and how you want their superpowers to show up. Yeah, so it sounds like like high stakes uh, projects. Um, high stakes, things, high rewards. Yeah. <laughs> yes, yeah. <laughs> For sure. Um, and also things that like the firm leadership would have buy-in into and that you want to get every, you know, a lot of different voices involved in that way you don't end up with an end project that the, then people are like, well, is this really us? Is it what we want to do? Exactly, exactly. Can you share some specific examples of like when you applied this approach and it went well? Maybe, and maybe you'll have a story where it didn't go well. <laughs> let's start with where it went. Well, what do you want to start with? Uh, an example where it went well or an example where it backfired and you can't talk to so, those people anymore? <laughs> <laughs> I'll share an example of where it didn't go well first because I think that helps yeah i think the the fix to that is fairly easy from my from my vantage point um and it's one of those cautionary tales um so we uh i was at i'm at canon design and we uh were pursuing a very significant project um with a teaming partner and so one of the things we did was really think about the team members we were bringing together from both firms. And we wanted to bring forward, of course, our best and our brightest. I think what happened there, and the funny thing about cognitive diversity and when you're building these cognitive diverse teams, you don't usually set out from the outset and say, hey, we're we're trying cognitive diversity today. You know, this is why this team is here. Um, it's really more of a, a mindset and philosophy than it is sort of a, a procedure, you know? And so we developed this team, felt really good about the people we had contributing to the team. Everybody was excited to be a part of it. Um, where I think we fell down in this, in this example is that we didn't take time from the outset to sort of um, establish sort of our, our, our principles and our purpose um, behind developing the team and why sort of everyone was brought to the table Right. And so we sort of assumed that everybody understood and knew these things. 
But what happened is we defaulted back to traditional lines of problem solving and traditional hierarchies within our organizations, right? And so it became a situation in which best idea didn't always win. It was about whose idea it was and not necessarily about, you know, um, a process informing those ideas. Um, and so in a lot of ways that created disagreement, but it wasn't necessarily the constructive disagreement that we're looking for in cognitive, you know, diverse, you know, team building, right? So uh, that was, you know, that I think that was a situation where really all we needed to do is build in time from the outset to really be intentional about explaining the dynamics of the team, how we wanted those dynamics to work, and what we expected everyone to bring um, to the table um, in both their technical skills and their superpower. And I think the other piece of that, right, I, I kind of spoke to the hierarchy. We have to check hierarchy at the door, I think, for cognitive diversity to really flourish and work within these projects. Because if you if you default back to those, you know, hierarchy and decision making, you know, by organizational chart, if you will, um, it's very hard for you to break through and find those those new and creative, uh, you know, outcomes um, for your work. So yeah. yeah, I definitely I mean I've definitely been in rooms where it's like you can feel the uh where the power resides, even if it's like a remote, you know, meeting, it's like the power is there in that yeah. you know, square of the of the virtual room, so to speak. So I imagine um equalizing everybody and kind of separating them a bit from their role in the firm and their relationship to each other. Um is really important and do you do that by like team building early on uh i, I think icebreakers? so <laughs> yeah I, I think so and you, you sort of mentioned sort of your you bring a lightheartedness to the to your own process and and to your teams and i think that's really um undervalued a lot in the work we do and in, in the business world in general we kind of think about you know those key performance indicators and the metrics that we're used to about productivity um, and so we're geared to like jump into meetings and try to pro solve problems from the outset, right? And we don't create that space to get to know one another um, beyond, you know, our professional lives. We don't, um, you know, we don't get to sort of appreciate one another's superpowers and what we're bringing to the table that might be unique and different. And so I think in these in these team scenarios, you do want to create space for that. You do want to make sure everyone's voice feels valued and uh, and is actually not just feels valued, but is valued and is understood to be valued as equally as, you know, somebody else who might in their day job sort of uh, carry a significant title or role. And so you really want to change the the power dynamic, there's always going to be in any team, a leader and a, and a group that follows. Um, you need that right to drive uh, to drive performance and, and get you to where you're going. But what you don't need is ideas being suppressed or thwarted because of, you know, fear of, you know, <laughs> hierarchy or any of that other baggage that we bring in to our work. So yeah yeah well it could totally stifle like even people feeling like they don't have permission to share their idea because of you know that type of um 
you know, space that's set up. So you might not even be getting the ideas in the first place to suppress them. (laughs) Correct. (laughs) Absolutely. um, And I I think that's a good way to, you know, sort of segue into the, you asked me about the positive example. The flip side um, is another strategic pursuit. Um, But this was a case and it had, you know, you know, sort of the, the highest level of contributors from the firm, uh, middle sort of pr- mid-level professionals and even junior sort of, uh, you know, newer professionals um, contributing to this team. And what this team did so well is we took that step back. We had the benefit of time to do that in which the other scenario, maybe we were a little bit more under the gun as far as, you know, deadlines and things like that. And I think that's part of the reason why we may have skipped that um, sort of getting to know you process, um, you know, in the team building, um, you know, in the, in our team building. But in this case, um, the leadership of the team really was intentional about not only one selecting the people and, and why these people would contribute to the team, but really was intentional about making it clear that it wasn't about their ideas being imposed on the team that we were really going to come together and create this thing together because they were vulnerable. They expressed, we have weaknesses in this area. We're not good at this, but we're good at this. You know, and we talked about those things and, you know, we, you know, we had dinners together uh, while we were traveling and we made time to get to know one another beyond the workplace. And I think, um, you know, that experience and that buildup really paved the way for this synergy throughout the team, throughout the process, and almost an ability um, and belief that we can we can achieve anything. And it was one of these pursuits that was huge. <laughs> it was probably the most complex pursuit I've ever been a part of. And those can you know those can tend to be tense and chaotic when you're dealing with so many stakeholders. But this one just felt like we got it all along, right? And we just, we knew that we can call one another, we can count on one another, and that we were all going to bring our whole self to the process. And I think that was so important. The outcome of that and the experience of that really is a team that I think not only, you know, in the short term sort of, you know, gained new relationships, I think, you know, down the road, these are people that we are going to call on one another for years to come, whether we're still at the same firm or somewhere else, because I think the relationships and the depth of those relationships that were built through this process were, were one that, um, you know, created this uh, really this culture of of true appreciation for one another um, that I think is uh, hard to find. And I and I don't know that I would have expected that from the outset. Wow, yeah, there's there's so much to unpack there, but <laughs> but kind of bringing back your earlier analogy of like a sports team, it's like you know just show up on the field with your new team and expect everyone to like you know have that intuitive like know how you worked well together. So like building the foundation sounded like it was um, critical to to setting the stage for that to be successful. Absolutely, and even the boy band example, right? Yes, you couldn't yes. have a bunch of Justin Timberlake. <laughs> right, like NC couldn't be all Justin Timberlake's. You know, you needed the other uh, band members uh, to to kind of have their own style and b- bring their own flair to it. So I think it's it's uh, 
you know, there there are a lot of parallels that are that are uh, uh, kind of interesting and humorous, but <laughs> maybe there's something to it. <laughs> yeah. So so you gave two examples, and what were they were both pursuits. What were the outcomes of those pursuits? So interestingly enough, both were positive in the form of outcomes and results. Uh, we won both of those, um, but the experiences um, were so different that, like I said, the the uh, the dynamic of the team, and I think maybe you know the long term benefit of doing it, you know, I'll say the right way versus the wrong way. I think you know doing it the the right way, if you will, has a much longer term benefit to not only the individuals, but I think to the firm, because these are these are people now that I didn't know prior um, to this process, but that I do know, trust, and can definitely count on and bring to the table for future opportunities. Whereas the other team, I may be a little bit more reluctant, right, to to raise my hand and, and and go back to these individuals, right? We we still need to go back and work through that trust uh, from that process. So um, I guess <laughs> both had a happy ending, which is good. <laughs> You're not going to be following their Instagram stories anytime soon. <laughs> Absolutely not. Yeah, I'm not like uh, re- responding to their puppy, you know, pictures over the weekend like they <laughs> the other team. <laughs> well, yeah, and not only that about the second example, like then the people who participated in that successful team can take that approach back to the people they're working with and kind of, you know, emulate it. So it, it pays dividends long after the experience. I think so. And I think it, it just brings this level of intentionality, which is really, from my selfish point of view, um, is my why behind even, you know, bringing this topic up to the, you know, to the forefront and speaking on it is really about us as teams and and as organizations really bringing a a new and heightened level of intentionality to how we design teams and why we design teams a certain way. Um, And if we want to do X, then maybe we should, uh, you know, sort of approach it in a way that we haven't before. Yeah, well, I guess all firms talk about innovation as being a discriminator. It's like it's not just about innovating on the projects themselves, but innovating, you know, the very first step of like, how do we even bring them in the door? How do we position ourselves to to do that in the first place? Um, so let's let's talk about diversity. <laughs> um, how does this this type of diversity relate to other DEI initiatives that that firms are putting in place? Yeah, so I think it's complicated, right? I think um, DEI diversity. When we're talking about DEI diversity, I like to think of it as demographic diversity, right? And that's things like gender identity, you know, ethnicity, religious, you know, and faith, you know, sort of um, identifiers, if you will. Um, and you know, I think firms sort of investing in DEI. Um, and elevating their DNI, DE and I sort of um, programs and initiatives is, you know, is proven to have positive social and business impact, right, um, on performance. And so, I think those uh, those DE and I initiatives are sort of, um, you know, what firms need to be doing. It's almost table stakes, you know, at this at this rate 
um, and, and every firm is at a different point in their journey. Um, but I caution um, people when I talk about cognitive diversity to not sort of uh, mix the two or interchange the two because cognitive diversity, if you remember, is really just um, focused on how we think and so um, and, and how we process information and solve problems, right? And so demographic diversity does not guarantee that individuals are going to think differently, process information differently, or solve problems differently. I think um, there's a correlation because if we have a more diverse um, pool of candidates to draw from within our within our organizations, I don't think it's a leap to say that you know building more cognitively diverse teams um, will be simpler because we have a more diverse pool, but I think they are two different things, right? Cognitive diversity really can't be seen either visually or by what we fill out on, you know, our forms when we're joining our firms, right, for the first day and how we want to identify as an individual um, along those demographic lines. It's really more about the unseen and those intangibles that we bring um, that we bring with us, um, whether it's through, you know, different perspectives, like I said, just different different backgrounds and different ways of problem solving. Yeah, let's let's spend a little bit on this topic because I feel like we jumped into it and maybe we need to to backtrack and kind of set yeah. the stage a little bit. So I kind of brought up in the introduction what cognitive diversity is, different ways of thinking, different viewpoints, different skill sets. We talk about personality. Um, you talked about superpowers, um, you know, and and the, there's a topic of neurodiversity. You know, we all sure. see the world different ways. So it's it can be hard to like put your finger on what it is exactly about someone that makes them different in how they think from you. So are there any tools that you use? I mean, I think about like a lot of companies do MBTI type testing or personality testing, or is it just like really seeing people for like how they see the world and 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 what their tendencies are like so hard to put your finger on it right it's both art and science um when you're trying to develop a cognitively diverse team right i think when you, you let's take the the science side there is no shortage of of personality assessments and tools that will measure sort of your your work style um and those different qualities that make you you in the workplace. Um, and I think those are really valuable at surface level to kind of take a look at the team dynamics and make sure you have some balance, right? And that you're not just this sort of futuristic, sort of, you know, big sky um, dominant thinking sort of team, or you're not filled with a bunch of drivers, but you also want to have sort of that, that analytical mindset and maybe a more conscientious mindset sort of also represented um, within the, the team. But then I think you also have to go and, and maybe this points to leadership, but I think you need to go beyond those things and really take stock when you have an opportunity to work with an individual or even just have a conversation and start to form your own thoughts and opinions about um, about what somebody is bringing to the table that is beyond sort of the expected or the things we normally look at, like this person is really great at InDesign and, and you know, can, can format a proposal unlike anybody else. It's like, well, 
what what's beyond the surface that we're seeing that that makes this person so adept and so skilled at what they do um, and how might that benefit me on, on another project that maybe doesn't even require InDesign, but we want this person's mind to contribute mm -hmm. to the ideation and and the creation of uh, of a solution. Um, and so I think we really want to just make sure as leaders um, in this space that we take that step back and we we take the opportunity to learn, understand and appreciate the different um, superpowers and intangibles that our team members are bringing across the firm, not just in our marketing departments. Yeah, and, and also communicating that to others on the team, like so that everybody can see and appreciate those things that we notice, you know, in our coworkers. Yeah, that's such a great point. That is so key because often, you know, when you ask me what my superpower is, it's hard for me to articulate that. Somebody else uh, that I work with who has experience with me, can can articulate that much more succinctly and probably eloquently than I could, right? Because it's hard to kind of talk about what your you know what your superpower is and what what you're good at. And so I think um, identifying those things and as part of appreciating them is you know communicating not only to the individual like, hey, I really love how you do this. I had never seen anyone do it quite as well as you before. One, that's like a boost of confidence and energy jolt to the individual hearing that comment usually. Um, <laughs> and two, if you do that in front of a in front of the team and in a group setting and you're creating that airspace and that credibility for that individual to sort of step out of what they're known for in their technical role and step into this sort of um, maybe not new persona, I would say their whole persona, right? Um, and I think that's so um so important that each team member feels like they can be their authentic self and bring their whole self to problem solving especially on these sort of you know big hairy initiatives and ideas um i just think creating that creating that space and that confidence for each individual and and articulating the why you know for the team um is so important and i think back to the the bad case study, if you will, the, the poor example <laughs> that I gave earlier where, where it didn't go so hot. Um, I think that's where we missed we missed our mark. Um, and it's an easy mark to miss because we want to jump right into problem solving. Yeah, yeah, I love that phrase of bringing, bringing your whole persona to, to the table. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. It's like, isn't it so strange how uh, rare that is? <laughs> or it feels like that's a rare occurrence, but it's like, why can't we do that every day, you know? Maybe yeah. some people do. <laughs> I try to. But. Some people do. And I think it, it all comes with experience and confidence, right? And I think you need to sometimes, as a leader, create that safe space for people yeah. and actually create the expectation that people will bring that to the table. Um, because I don't know that everyone feels like they have permission to do that or it's totally. wanted or helpful or beneficial in any way. And I think well, as leaders, we want to like take that step back and say, yes, we need that. We need you in your whole capacity and whole self um, to bring your ideas, bring your energy and and everything else you have uh, uh, to the table for us. Yeah. And let's talk about, you know, how hard or easy is it to do that when you're on a screen <laughs> with your team and you haven't actually met in person? 
Um, I assume, I mean, obviously we're all working this way now, but when you're working with a, you know, cognitively diverse team, I mean, we both work in organizations where our team members are, you know, spanning the country, spanning the globe. Um, how do you facilitate that process virtually? Yeah, it is difficult, especially you mentioned those scenarios in which you've never met the person in person, right? Um, and that's where I think you really need to be intentional about creating time for those interpersonal dynamics, if you will. Um, often, you know, in this Teams uh, slash Zoom world of ours, we're forced, right? Our calendars are sort of micromanaged to the minute where we jump from call to call to call and we've got our 30 minutes, 60 minutes, 90 minutes, whatever the time increment is, that's the time we have together. And we better use that time efficiently and effectively to solve a problem, right? Those are the instances where I think we get in trouble trying to employ cognitive diversity because we haven't created that, that culture. We haven't taken that step back to get to know one another, to form trust, to form relationships. Um, and I think we need to, you know, in this virtual and remote world, we need to engineer that time back in to these meetings, right? So. Maybe you need 60 minutes to carve through your agenda, but you might need 15 to 30 minutes to actually set the tone, like create space for people to get to know one another um, and, and to and to learn more about one another in a in sort of a way that our hair can be let down, if you will, right? And that we don't need to um, be our professional self um, and persona but that we can talk about things like our weekend and the chaotic morning we had this morning. I shared uh, you know, <laughs> at the open of this with you, uh, just how chaotic I felt like my, my morning was. And I feel like those are things that help clear the air, if you will, create a space where people can go from what they were just doing, this, the, 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 the grind and the struggle or whatever it was that where they just were, and take you into and transition into a different mindset, a, a new mindset and problem solving mindset, right? And that sort of casual interaction could be just the spark and the inspiration that the team needed to sort of, you know, take off from there um, and and do great work in that next 60 minutes, if you will, of, of the agenda. And so I think one, you know, creating that space and, and that that time and then I think we have to we have to like really look deeper right at, at our projects and how things are getting done um, because sometimes those superpowers aren't as apparent when we are sort of you know on a two-dimensional screen right and so I think you really want to just make sure you as a if you're leading teams you take a step back at the end of a process or the end of uh, you know a project with somebody, and and debrief not with the group but in your mind and say what did this person do that was exceptional? Like what should I um, call out uh, or or what behaviors did this person exhibit that were just really key to our success? Because I think again, calendars micromanaged. It's easy to go from one to the next. Um, and not really take stock and inventory about on on what the things uh, you know uh, things went well and and what people and how they contributed. 
Yeah, yeah, I love I love um, all, all of those points, especially about like setting this intentionally setting the space for everyone and letting them like like take all the plugs that are into them from their out other parts of their life and just like really coming together, like going into the pool with everyone, being in the pool together, right? Like being in the same headspace. Um, and then the other thing I was thinking, you know, you were talking about when you are the leader, you're kind of in this role of setting the expectations. But even if you're someone where you're not leading the team yet, or you're in a more junior role, you can still start the process of like seeing things, seeing your coworkers in this way and like um, contributing in that way so that when you get to the point where you are a leader, you're already like kind of in that mindset. Yeah, it's so true. And I think developing that mindset and I don't, I wish somebody would have told me to develop that mindset earlier too. And I think maybe it just happened by watching others that I thought were great leaders. Um, but yeah, I think that's a sort of a muscle if you will, that you want to develop as early as possible, because I think that is, if I think about my own career trajectory and growth, I think developing those sensibilities are probably one of the, the key things that have fueled my growth. It's not necessarily because I became a better writer or a better graphic designer or any of those things. It was really those softer skills that I think that were developed over time um, that allow you um, to kind of elevate yourself and um, and demonstrate value in different ways within your firm that that I think you know help you know help everyone um, not only you individually but help teams uh, thrive and and succeed. Yeah, yeah, and I guess you know the best way to start, you know, if I'm you know we're thinking about our listeners is to just like think about yourself, you know, what are your superpowers? What do you bring to the table beyond what you physically do for your firm, you know, you bring a lot more than just, you know, t the tasks that we do, the emails that we send, the meetings that we're coordinating, you know, we bring a lot so much more than that. And just like appreciating and acknowledging that in yourself and like communicating that. Um, that's like the first step to then seeing it in other people and, and harnessing it for everyone's benefit. Absolutely. I think you're so right there. Awesome. Well, I think that's a great place to end. Thank you, Chris, for sharing your wisdom with us and your superpower with our listeners. Thanks for being on the podcast. This was a great conversation. Oh, totally my pleasure. This has been so much fun. If you have any feedback, questions, ideas, a great story, or just want to get involved or be part of an episode, email us at themarketingdepartmentpodcast at gmail.com. Make sure to like, review, and follow us wherever you listen to podcasts. Thanks for listening to The Marketing Department. Um, so now let's do a fun question. Okay. So tell me. Uh, have you applied the principles of cognitive diversity outside of the workplace in your personal life at all? I know you're a sports dad. What does a cognitively diverse little league team look like? What? <laughs> oh my gosh. Yeah, that's a great one. I think those things happen. I think you don't have to be intentional about cognitive diversity um, in, in that realm because I think uh, somehow it just happens magically, right? Um, but I think you know, it's fun that I study this and am passionate about it um, 
in my work life because I think you get to see it play out a little bit differently in your casual sort of life um, experiences, right? So coaching a, a little league team, you actually sort of start to pay attention and notice those differences in individuals. Um, and I think as a, as a coach, you start to tune into those things and almost start to um, work with you know, kids on a different and different level individualistically. So you might know that you need to sort of be a little bit more stern with, um, you know, one kid versus another, just, you know, need somebody to like sort of comfort them after they fail, right? Um, so you kind of want to, I, I think for me, I sort of appreciate the differences um, just a little bit more because I understand that if everyone can bring those different personality traits to the table, um, one, it's going to be a whole lot more fun and the pizza parties are going to be a lot more, more, more explosive and, and, and dynamic. Um, but two, I think, I think on the field, it allows everybody to sort of just be comfortable in their own skin, be themselves, go play their game, um, not worry about the outcome so much and know that, you know, we've got each other's backs and we're going to do it. Um, you know, my, my coaching record is not, uh, <laughs> is not great yet. No one's going to put me in the hall of fame, but I think we all have a ton of fun, um, at the end of the day. And, you know, cognitive diversity is, uh, is playing a role in some form or fashion. Listen, as long as they win the proposal, that's what I know. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's right. <laughs> Our There's kids better than worse than or equal to grown-ups when it comes to accepting each other's what makes each other diverse uh i think they are so much more accepting of their differences um today than i think i even can recall growing up which is a super cool thing i think um kids now are just sort of understand that they're all you know different and at times they coach me on that um and they, they they let me know like it's okay like it's okay if he cries he's gonna come back and he's gonna like that he just needs to get that out of his system i'm like well, well that's great and can it's I, not can like, i cry now crying. it's like hey he just needs to go over there in a corner and do that and he's gonna be awesome after so we we've seen him do it all the time and that's totally cool to see them embrace one one another um you know, in ways that I don't think um, I've seen before. And I think kids in a lot of ways can teach us a lot about um, our own selves and sort of point the mirror back at ourselves and say, wow, we, we could do better um, than this and we should do better than that. And so um, they're awesome at the end of the day, right? <laughs> That's great. That, that gives me hope for the future. <laughs> yes, we, we have a lot to be hopeful for in our future. The The coming generations uh, um, are just, yeah, amazing, amazing uh, kids with tremendous heart. Oh.